Section 19 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chuck Williamson. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 19. Letter 8. Julia's Hand Once More. Today, it is my free will, nay, in some degree the spirit of contradiction, that sets me to writing. In consequence of my prolonged resistance yesterday to undertaking the labor of giving you an account of the rest of our transactions, it was resolved that a solemn academical sitting should be holden this evening, in which the subject was to be rehearsed, that it might finally be enabled to reach you. Now the gentlemen are absent about their affairs, and I feel prompted and encouraged to undertake it alone, instead of calling in the aid they magnanimously promised, and thus give them an agreeable surprise this evening. How many things men undertake that they should never be able to carry through, if the women did not step in at the right moment, and generously lend their aid to perfect what was so easily begun, and is found so hard to finish? A singular circumstance occurred in our endeavors to enroll our guests of yesterday in our classes. They would not fit in anywhere, and we found no division for them. When we took the philosopher to task for this, he said, My classification may have other omissions. But it redounds to its honor that, except the characteristic, not one of your guests of yesterday finds any place in it. My rubrics only embrace peculiarities, which appear as wants when the artist is thus limited by nature as faults when he knowingly acquiesces in such one-sidedness. The faults, the distorted, the admixture of foreign matters, finds no place in them. My six classes embrace the single sides, which, all united, would result in the true artist, as well as the true connoisseur, but which, judging from my own small experience and what I see in the papers that have been communicated to me, and often, alas, occur separately. And now for the thing itself. First Division. Imitators. This talent may be regarded as the basis of the plastic arts. Whether they take their rise from it may remain a question. Beginning with this, the artist may at last raise himself to the highest. If he sticks to it, we call him a copyist, which title in itself conveys an unfavorable idea. But if a genius of this sort manifests a desire to advance continually in his narrow path, a demand for perfect imitation must at last grow out of it, which the amateur seeks for and the artist endeavors to realize. If you miss the transition to true art, 
you are in the most out-of-the-way by-path you at last come to painting statues and go down to posterity like our great-grandfather in your damask dressing-gown the passion for silhouettes has an affinity for the same class a collection of them is interesting enough when confined to the portfolio but we must not cover our walls with these dismal half-realities the imitator only makes a duplicate of his original without doing anything with it or carrying us beyond it he shows us the object in its most circumscribed side we are astonished that the thing should be possible and experience a certain satisfaction yet it cannot be truly pleasing to us because artistic truth is wanting to impart a higher beauty as soon as this steps in we perceive that the likeness has acquired a great charm which we are conscious of in a great many german flemish and french portraits and still life subjects nota bene do not imagine because you see my handwriting that all this comes from my head i meant to have underscored what i copy word from word from the paper but there would be too much to underscore you will see where i refer and may recognize the words of your own last letter second division the imaginative in their treatment of this class our friends indulged in too much satire it seemed as if the subject enticed them to step a little out of the track and though i professedly of this class was present and demanded justice and civility i could not prevent their loading it with a heap of epithets that did not sound altogether commendatory they were called poetizers because instead of recognizing the poetic side of art and striving for its attainment they rather emulated the poets trenching upon their prerogative and mistaking and neglecting their own interest they were also called the showmen because they strive so hard to get up an appearance and excite the fancy without troubling themselves how far their execution is sufficient to satisfy it they were nicknamed phantomists because a hollow spirit world has so much charm for them phantomists because dreamy distortions and incoherencies are not wanting nebulists because they will not refrain from using the clouds as a suitable ground for their air pictures it was maintained that they were without reality and had never anywhere had existence that they were wanting in artistic truth and real beauty as the imitators had been accused of a false naturalness so this class were not free from the reproach of a false nature and more sins of the like kind were attributed to them i perceived that it was the gentleman's object to provoke me and i did them the pleasure to become really mischievous i asked them whether genius did not chiefly express itself through invention 
whether this prerogative could be disputed with the poetizers whether we should not feel grateful when the mind was charmed by a beautiful dream picture whether after all in this department that had been disgraced by so many questionable epithets the ground and possibility of the highest art was not compromised whether wearisome prose had any mightier opponent than this capacity to form new words whether it were not an estimable talent an estimable quality of which one should always speak with reverence even when one finds it astray the gentlemen soon yielded they reminded me that we were now only speaking of a one-sidedness and that this quality which is of such an importance in this relation with the whole was on that very account injurious when it was isolated separated independent the imitator does no injury to art for he brings it laboriously to a point where the true artist can and must take it up but the imaginative on the other hand is the cause of countless harm to art because he drives it beyond all bounds and the greatest genius would be requisite to bring it back from its license and wildness into its true and appointed circle the subject was debated forth and back for some time finally they wished to know whether i did not admit that caricature that confounding of all art taste and manners had its origins in this department in truth i did not undertake to defend it but i cannot deny that i have often been amused by such distorted trash and the spirit of mischief that original and hereditary sin of all the children of adam does not relish ill by way of piquant sauce but to proceed third division characteristic with these you are already well acquainted having been fully informed concerning a remarkable individual of this class if the significant is to make amusement for me i can easily grant that another should take it in earnest when such a character man prepares the way so that my poetizer shall not become a phantomist to lose himself in mist and uncertainty he will always secure my praise and esteem our uncle seemed also since the last conversation more inclined to take the part of our guest and with him of all his class he thought them in one sense entitled to the name of rigorists their abstraction their going back to the idea always established and advanced something and compared with the emptiness of some other class of artists and amateurs he thought the characteristic especially praiseworthy but the little obstinate philosopher here showed his teeth and maintained that their one-sidedness was yet more injurious to art than the extravagance of the imaginative class even because of their apparent rectitude 
on which account he would not give up his quarrel with them. It is an odd thing about a philosopher, how indulgent he is in some ways and stiff-necked in others. When once I get possession of the key, how this shall vanish. I further find, in examining the papers, that he bespatters them with various nicknames. He calls them skeletonists, formalists, pedants, and remarks in a note that a merely logical existence, a mere operation of the understanding, did not satisfy or assist us in matters of art. I will not break my head in investigating his meaning. Moreover, the character men are wanting in that lightness, without which no art is worth having. I will let this also pass. End of section 19